Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast is number 1,594. The topic is Q&A and the title is Addressing Hip Shift in Squat and Deadlift. So we had a listener send in a couple videos and kind of a little bit of a backstory. They're newer to lifting. They have about a year or so of experience into kind of strength training. They've dabbled, you know, in workouts before, but they truly want to get into uh, powerlifting and they want to use that as a way to also build more muscles. They would like to eventually compete in both powerlifting and like bodybuilding. And I love that. I love multiple goals, just tons and tons of motivation there, which is fantastic. The person's actually already pretty strong. So they're squatting 365 pounds in the video they sent me and deadlifting 405, uh, which is freaking awesome. Congratulations. But in both videos, there's definite hip shift, meaning as they're squatting, uh, you can see their body twisting a little bit. Uh, For this person, their left hip kind of sits back further than their right hip does. And it happens in both squat and deadlift. And they are a friend of a friend of one of my clients. So they reached out and sent the videos and asked the question and asked if I'd do a podcast. So I was like, of course, <laughs> that's exactly what this is for. So what I told them was, is I'm going to give them some information. And I did. So I want to share the information I gave with them. But I also told them that if they're only a year into it, there's just more general practice that needs to be done. And as they continue to have more experience squatting, deadlifting, more experience kind of pushing their body to the limits of its strength, kind of like to the edges of their of its strength, that it'll improve their mind-muscle control, and then they'll have more positional awareness. So if they start to feel something starting to get, you know, off-centered, they would be able to kind of brace against it and actually correct it, and that will help a lot. I remember... There was a video by Mike Tashir, who was a powerlifter, very good powerlifter. And um, when I was younger, I forget how young, but uh, maybe, I don't even know, <laughs> probably 15 years ago, I watched a video of him doing deadlifts, and he was saying how he got out of position uh, along the way. So it was a video of three deadlifts, like three reps, and he's like, yeah, I got you know kind of out of position on that second one, but I was able to correct it on the third. And I'm watching the video, and I'm like, what the hell is he looking at? You know, <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, like, am I watching the wrong video? Like, what's going on? Uh, initially, they all looked identical. Like, I couldn't tell any difference. And then I watched it a second time, a third time, a fourth time, and I'm like, ooh, you know, I can start to see a little bit. You know, I could see, like, where the the plate looked compared to the background of the room he was in. I think it was in, like, his garage or an extra room in the house. And then you start to see, okay, well, I can see a little bit of, you know, the shin shifting forward. And I started to be able to see it. And that was, you know, the start of me being able to see more and more nuances of people's positions. But I do remember being like newer to strength training for myself. And then here was somebody who's more experienced and they were aware of all these little micro movements that it would almost be impossible for anybody else to tell. And I think some of us are aware of that as well because we'll have like a repetition. We like film ourselves doing something and it feels like we're going to die. And then you watch the video and you're like, oh crap, it actually looks kind of easy in the video. And what it was is you just had a lot of awareness about your positioning and the strain happening during the lift. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, it actually wasn't that bad. But your perception of what's going on has improved. So therefore you felt more things happening than what you could visually see in the video. And that's really awesome. You know, that's a cool place to be. So I encourage him to keep lifting. 
keep gathering more experience. The more experience he has, the more mind muscle control he'll develop, and then the more positional awareness and the ability to control his position he'll develop over time. So the other advice I gave him, the stuff he can use now, <laughs> is the first thing was to make sure that his programming included unilateral work. And what this means is where you're doing, especially since we're talking about squat and deadlift, you want to do movements where one leg is working but the other one is not. Now, this is something we want to carry over into upper body as well. So you want to be doing this for back movements like push-pull movements, you know, bench press and stuff. You want to be doing movements, upper body, lower body, all around, um, that are like one side of the body is working and the other side is not. Sometimes it's beneficial to have one side of the body working and the other one being like passive. But then sometimes you want one side of the body working and the other side bracing and stabilizing. It just depends on, you know, where the person is in their development, what exactly outcome you want from the exercise choice. But there are a lot of um, smaller differential components to unilateral work. But the general theme is what we want to kind of use today is just make sure there's something in your program that's a unilateral movement. And what that is, like for example, would be if, if you don't know what any of these things are, you can pause the podcast and do a YouTube search. But a Bulgarian split squat, it's like a single leg squat, but your back leg is elevated on something, whether it's a bench or like in our gym, we have a Bulgarian split squat stand, which is a roll pad. Uh, so that way your foot doesn't have to be kind of like splayed open. It's actually way less pressure on the foot. Uh, and it actually just rests on your ankle. Like kind of where like a leg extension pad rests on your front of your ankle. A Bulgarian split squat stand is awesome because the back leg just rests on that same spot of the, the shin. So it's a lot less pressure on the ankle joint. So Bulgarian split squats are great. You can actually do Bulgarian RDLs, which not a lot of people do, but they're actually freaking fantastic. They're wicked on trying to um, open up and stretch the glutes and adductors as well as the hamstrings while maintaining a uh, neutral spine. So they're fantastic if somebody has problems with their lower back tucking or rounding when they're doing deadlifts uh, and especially squats of course because it's super dangerous but it's more common that people's lower back rounds on deadlifts when they're in their starting position and trying to drive the bar off the floor if they're having problem with that a bulgarian rdl is actually a really fantastic but very challenging way uh, to develop neutral spine control while hinging at the hips it's a really cool variation you can also do split stance uh, RDLs. Um, that's where the back foot's just on the ground rather than on a bench or on a stand. So um, split stance work is great to go along with Bulgarian split stance work. Now you can also do step-ups. You can do walking lunges. You can do single leg leg presses. Like we have a, a rogue uh, leg press in our gym that's a bilateral, like a, it's a unilateral leg press where you can have one side of the leg press move and the other side not. So I will often, almost always, if I'm using both legs, I, I unhook each side so they move independently, so I'm forced to balance them, and or I'll blend in uh, unilateral, just one-legged work uh, for a leg press. Awesome work. So I, we also have like a, a machine that kind of mimics like a Roger Squat Pro, and you can do uh, like, it's almost like um, a safety squat bar on on like a controlled motion of a safety squat bar. You can do it on a Smith machine as well, but like split squats are great there as well. Just a lot of variations where one leg is working, the other one is not. And again, the, the, the major benefits of this is it corrects imbalances. So a lot of times when people have hip shifts, it's because when they're getting to top end intensity, our, our muscles are not all equally strong. 
So if one muscle is significantly stronger or significantly weaker from one side to the other, the body shifts to try to balance that or try to protect the weak side and, and give more like weight into the strong side. So you will have shifting if there's strength imbalances of the muscles related to the hips. So unilateral work helps to balance those out. So that way you have less reason for the body to shift. And then it also improves stabilization control. So that way you can you know, try to press as hard as you can through your legs and the hips are able to stabilize and hold on to their positioning without getting wonky or out of position, which then decreases the strength output that the legs can produce forcefully into the barbell. So it, unilateral work is extremely important and you wanna blend as much as you can unilateral work that maintains an upright torso versus unilateral work that allows for a hinge. So in your programming, make sure that your unilateral work there's some of it that your torso remains upright throughout the movement, and then there's some of it that your torso hinges, and um, your torso, for example, as you start to lift or something, it tilts down towards the floor, then it goes back to upright, then it tilts down to the floor, then it goes back to upright. So your torso should be changing angle in some of the movements and then staying upright in some of the movements. Now, when do you do it and all that stuff kind of depends on how many days a week you train uh, in general. If I have somebody doing like strength-based training, I have them training their lower body twice a week, and therefore one time of the week you do upright unilateral work, one time of the week do hinge-based unilateral work. And that's there's a lot of kind of variety and play within that. Sometimes you can pair you know, upright work with squats, hinge work with deadlifts, or sometimes you can alternate those. So that way, if you're already deadlifting and doing hinge work, you don't want to like double up on the hinge. It kind of depends on how strong somebody is. The stronger they are, I like to separate movements that are similar. The weaker somebody is, the more you want to group together movements that are similar because it creates more muscle damage since maybe the weight load they're able to use can't create that damage. So there's a lot of individual components depending on somebody's strength level uh, and then also their workout schedule. And then what we want to look at is technique concepts. So there's a couple concepts that can really help uh, just to create more brace and stabilization within the lift by simply just improving the way we're thinking about performing the lift. So with squats, one of the things you want to look at is most people, if you film yourself from the side uh, doing a squat, most people as they go down in a squat, they start to drift forward. So if you were to draw, like put a dot, and there's apps that actually do this for you, but if you were to put a dot at the end of the barbell, and again, you're filming yourself directly from the side, put a dot at the end of the barbell, and then as you squat, trace where the end of the barbell goes. What we would love to see is that the end of the barbell goes straight down, straight up. What you'll most often see is it'll start to go down somewhat straight, then it drifts forward at the bottom, and then as you go to start up, it starts straight up and then drifts back. So it makes this really weird looking, um, like elongated, it's like, uh, I don't even know, it's like an oval but with points. <laughs> so there's a point at each end of the oval. Uh, but that's what most people's squat pattern looks like. They go down straight, drift forward, they go up straight, drift back. So it's this, this weird little oval thing. We want to correct all of that, that's not good. So that creates an enormous amount of pressure and stress in your lower back and it, it, it significantly decreases the strength you're able to display. So you won't be able to lift anywhere near as much as you're actually strong enough to lift. So that's frustrating. <laughs> so we want to maintain better foot pressure uh, throughout the descent of the squat and that'll help better maintain the glutes being engaged into the lift 
So there's a couple components that add to that to where we can film a squat from the side and see the bar going straight up and down. That's what we'd want. So the first one we want to look at or think of is foot pressure, where we have our weight in our foot. So we don't want to be leaning into our toes. We don't want to be too far back into our heel where our toes could actually lift up and it wouldn't even make a difference. We want to be somewhere in the middle. So one of the ways I think of it is if I'm, if I'm trying to trap a bug under the arch of my foot. So say there's you know a bug crawling around and you put your foot over top of it and the, and the bug's trapped in the arch of your foot. And you're like, okay, while I squat, I don't want to let the bug go. If I drift forward into my toes, it can squeeze out the back. If I sit too far into my heels, it would squeeze out the front. So you want to try to think of creating constant, continuous pressure through the arch of your foot. The whole way down, the whole way up. You will 100% feel your body start to drift forward as you get to the bottom of the squat. Try not to do that. <laughs> so be mindful of creating pressure under the arch of your foot. You can also think of it as like a quarter. Maybe there's a quarter under the arch of your foot and you don't want somebody to steal it while you're squatting. So don't drift forward and let somebody try to get in there and steal it. You want to keep constant pressure on that quarter, constant pressure on that arch. Two other things that'll help for that is what's called rooting the foot. So when you have your foot down and you're ready to squat, so once you've unracked the bar, you step back to where you want to be, your feet are set. You want to think of pushing your big toe and your pinky toe down into the ground. Okay? So make sure... You're, you're obviously going to have your heel on the ground, otherwise you're doing one hell of a crazy squat. So your heel's going to be down. Think of pushing your big toe down and your pinky toe down, and that's going to help kind of get a three-point like positioning, basically. Heel, big toe, pinky toe, three points pressing down into the ground. Then the other thing you want to add, the last thing, is called external rotation of the knees. As you squat down, you want your knees to rotate outward so they stay vertically over your foot. You do not want your knees to rotate past your feet. Very rarely anatomically is that a good position. Uh, you see that a lot in like CrossFitters because they're used to being very upright uh, doing Olympic lifts and obviously in Olympic lifters. <laughs> so, but uh, generally it depends on the stance, but if you're looking for maximal strength, you, you definitely don't want your knee inside the vertical line of your foot. And it can be slightly to the outside, but typically it's not optimal to be totally to the outside unless you're, you know, if you're an Olympic lifter doing like a, a front squat and you're just bouncing out of the bottom, then sure, your knees are probably going to, you know, go outside your, your feet. But for most people, if you're looking at strength, you know, going into powerlifting, trying to squat as much as they can, in general, pretty good advice to start with is to keep your knee over the, over the vertical midpoint of your foot. If you look at like anatomical charts, they'll say have your kneecap over the second toe. You know, no one's going to be able to do that. Like you're not going to be able to pay attention whether it's over your second toe or third toe <laughs> while you're squatting. Just make sure that your knee doesn't cave inside the vertical line of your of your foot. And then if it goes on the outside of the vertical line of your foot, as long as you still maintain big toe pressure, that's that's okay. So those are the three things you want to think of when you squat is maintain pressure in the arch of your foot. Make sure that your big toe and pinky toe are pressed into the ground equally as hard. And then rotate your knees outward as you squat downward, as you squat down. But make sure the knees don't go too far past the foot where the big toe lifts, but they don't cave inward, uh, which would indicate that you're going to fall forward, kind of dump forward, and you'll see the bar path go forward when that happens as well. 
So those are a couple of technique tips for squats. Uh, for deadlift, it's it's a little less complicated, thank goodness, because otherwise podcast can be like 40 minutes. <laughs> but um, deadlift, you want to mostly think of the deadlift as two individual movements. The first movement is kind of like a press with the legs, like a leg press. And then the second part of the movement is squeezing your glutes, kind of doing a hip thrust. So whether you're doing sumo or conventional, the first part of the movement is you maintain whatever angle your torso is when you start the lift. You want to push with your legs. So you're going to push the bar off the floor. And then as the bar comes up towards your knees, you're then going to squeeze your glutes and your torso will begin to upright. So the first part of a deadlift is you press through the floor with your legs. Then as the bar gets to your knees, you squeeze your glutes, pushing your hips into the barbell. If you think of a deadlift as a push, I'm going to push through the floor, then I'm going to push my hips into the bar, that will get rid of a lot of hip shifting versus somebody who's just pulling on the bar. You don't want to pull the bar off the floor, you want to push the bar off the floor. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of YouTube videos. So you can just type like, uh, you know, conventional deadlift push. Or um, actually, like, I might as well give you one of my videos. <laughs> so I'm not that great in business that I'm like telling you to go watch other people's videos. But uh, we have a, a good conventional deadlift video. Um, so that way you can see that. Uh, so we can, if you do conventional deadlifts, you can watch that video. So conventional deadlift, let me see a good one we have. Okay, uh, there is a YouTube video. You can type Brutal Iron Gym, quick tip for conventional deadlifts. And that is literally me, literally me talking about a leg press into a glute drive. So like a hip thrust. So that's, again, Brutal Iron Gym, quick tip for conventional deadlifts. And then we also have our uh, sumo deadlift technique. So let me look up the title for that. Okay. And that would be uh, Brutal Iron Gym Quick Sumo Deadlift Tutorial. There you go. So you can check that out. Uh, so those would be two videos, the two very good uh, videos for you to check out if you want to learn more about kind of proper technique for the deadlift. Okay, so that was the information that I gave to the listener was to make sure that your programming has unilateral work. They're not going to need to worry about that because we set them up on the live monthly programming service. So now they're getting programming for me. So it's definitely going to be good. <laughs> uh, so they have, uh, but you want to make sure that you're doing unilateral work in your programming. And again, make sure there's a mixture of unilateral work where your torso stays upright and unilateral work where you have a hinge movement and the torso actually changes angle. So you want to make sure you have that in your program. You also want to make sure that you're working on squat and deadlift technique components. So that way those elements are being addressed and whatever strength you do have, you're using equally and balanced and you're using properly. So those are the answers for addressing hip shift in the squat and deadlift. Pretty awesome. Well, if you want any extra help, of course, we do have the live monthly programming service, which the listener is now uh, signed up for, which is great. You can learn about that on our website, www.brutalironjim.com. Basically with that is we have five different programs uh, topics. So there's power building, which is a combination of powerlifting and kind of bodybuilding combined. If you just want to do powerlifting, you just control your nutrition. And there's actually nutrition included, nutrition education included in the service. 
We have the power building program. We have female shape development, pure bodybuilding, functional athleticism, and functional longevity. So we have all those programs. And with that, you get a brand new uh, training program every four weeks. There's six workouts per program. You can perform as many as your schedule allows. All exercises have video tutorials, and all programs are brand new every four weeks. What makes it live is, number one, is you're getting the best of my knowledge every single month. So I write these brand new every single month. It's not something I wrote five years ago, and I'm now selling to everybody. So it's brand new every single month, meaning you're getting the best of what I know every single month. Now, a lot of other trainers don't do that. Um, then also, there's a live weekly Q&A. You can do a virtual Q&A with me. We'll ask any questions you want. We also have our Google Docs, which is a document you can log into 24-7. Ask any questions you want, and I answer them every single week. So you get one-on-one -on -one training education and nutrition education. It's basically anything you want to ask me, so just overall fitness education. And then we have uh, training education videos as well. So you look into all that. Sign up for it if you want. It's only $50 a month. So basically $50 a month, you get a brand-new program every four weeks, and you get 24-7 access to one-on-one -on -one education. Pretty ridiculous. Pretty awesome. Love it. So if you want to sign up for that or learn more about that, you can look on our, our website. And then obviously we have our one-on-one -on -one online coaching. So that's the stuff where I work with everybody individually. And I'll write you know individual training program to your abilities, your needs, your equipment, your schedule. Everything's personalized. And then I do nutrition with them as well. Teach them you know exactly everything they need to know. Check in with their daily logs. And they get like total one-on-one -on -one attention. So you learn all about that stuff on our website, www.brillarengym.com. Cool. Okay, well, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully you liked it. If you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, anything you want to know, let us know at my, our email at brillarengym at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, please share it. When you share it, let people know that we answer questions for free. So that's pretty awesome. I think that's an awesome component of the service is this podcast is entirely whatever you want it to be. <laughs> whatever you want to learn, ask me and I'll make a podcast for it. And then thank you to those who donate to support the podcast. That, that way we can actually do this <laughs> and it can be a service for everybody. You can donate on our website, www.brewlandergym.com. Even just $5 a month helps a lot to go towards the hosting costs every year. And I give an hour to it every day. So I really appreciate everybody's financial support. It really makes a big difference. Thank you very much. If you like the information we share in our podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. On Instagram, I post every day. And on YouTube, a lot. So find us and follow us under the name Brutal Iron Gym. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.